Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? This is your boy, Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Lawmakers and health experts say that the country is in the middle of an overdose epidemic. In 2014, 47,000 Americans died from drug overdose. The state of Ohio figures it's home to 200,000 opioid addicts. Pharmaceutical companies purposely misled doctors about the dangers connected with pain meds. There are far too many people overdosing, far too many people dying. There's hardly a family anywhere that hasn't been somehow affected by the opioid epidemic. This is Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We've doubled the number of overdoses. And they continue to climb every year. It's the greatest public health crisis of our our generation. People need help right now, right now, immediately. It's a disease, and it needs to be approached as a disease in terms of early diagnosis. Believe it or not, drug overdose is now the leading cause of death for Americans under the age of 50. Let me let that soak in. Drug overdose is now the leading cause cause of death for all Americans under 50. That's by far over half of America. 
What the hey is happening? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. With me, a very special guest today, Dr. William Maroney, joining me, renowned medical examiner. Dr. Maroney, I, I, I don't get it. I, I know this much. In all the years that I prosecuted Dr. Maroney, I remember seeing stockbrokers losing their trading license, lawyers, doctors, young kids out of so-called good families, just across the board, people losing their licenses, their homes, their savings accounts, their marriages, their families, estranged from their children under orders not to have contact with their families because of drug dependency. It ruins everything. And once you're in it, you can't get out of it. I mean, for Pete's sake, I've been on Weight Watchers for, what, two months now? And sometimes I do it and sometimes I don't. Um, Don't tell Oprah. But... If I'm like that, what about people that have a real addiction to drugs? And now it's claiming so many lives, the leading cause of death amongst all Americans 50 and under. Dr. Maroney, make some sense out of this for me, please. All right. This whole thing started around 1999-2000. There is a non-governmental organization... What do you mean that this whole thing? This because whole I thing prosecuted started for 10 years before that, and I saw people losing everything because of drugs. So what but, thing started? What, what happened was a casual affair between doctors and patients about prescribing opioids that became out of control. Well, will you please stop talking like a doctor? Because most of us are just, you know, the common... Normal Joe doing our job, getting our children to school. What's an opioid? Are you talking about heroin? Yes. Heroin well, doctors is do in, not prescribe heroin. But doctors prescribe opioid pain pills like See, hydrocodone uh, and okay. oxycodone. Now mommy understands. Okay. So the <laughs> oxycodone and Roxy's got it. Percocet, Go Oxycontin, Norco. And as people were liberally prescribed in an unorganized fashion, because medical schools don't really teach this well, and hospitals are paralyzed, they don't want to deal with this either, so the physicians were left with very weak guidelines, and just too many prescriptions for opioids went into the public. Will you please stop saying opioids? Nobody knows what you're saying. Narco. What, okay. Percocet. Are you talking about painkillers? Yes. Okay, that I know what you're talking about. Listen to this, Dr. Maroney. Let's put this into perspective. The body bags piling up. Drug deaths, opioid, as you insist on saying, opioid deaths now surpass the peak in car crash deaths. That was in 1972. That's the year the most people in America died in car crashes. AIDS death. AIDS and AIDS-related deaths in 1995. Gun deaths in 1993. And listen to this, doctor. After 20 years of combat in Vietnam, our country's casualties represented just one-third, one-third of the death toll of 10 years 
of dope overdoses, opioid overdoses, car crashes, AIDS, gun deaths, Vietnam for Pete's sake. I mean, it, what nobody notices this? Am I the only one that's noticing? Yesterday, Alan Duke, the Duke, is with us. Alan, remember that article we read? Uh, tell me about it. And it was in my hometown. Yes, I've been wanting to ask you, what's going on in Macon, Georgia? They've had this incredible Well, it outbreak. also included Warner Robins, the Demon City. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, the latest numbers out as of yesterday, 27 overdoses with people hospitalized. And there have been, I think, six deaths is the latest death. Yeah, We're talking it in the last a, few days. It was a bad batch of dope. And all these people took it and OD'd. I want to get back to Dr. William Maroney. Okay, doctor, this is way out of control. How is it happening? You know, I just had knee surgery. And they gave me, oh, I don't remember what it was. I, but it was some kind of an oxy, oxycodone, oxycontin-related bottle of drugs. I was so afraid of it. First, I put it on the top shelf of the medicine cabinet then i remember that commercial where the children are getting the dope and they look in the mirror in the bathroom mirror and it's the parents fault because they find these drugs that are left i, I immediately flushed the whole thing down the commode and threw away the bottle how many days did you get from your doctor how many days I, of I, pills I, I, I took it one night and then i i said what was that and um I looked at it when I saw what it was. I got so freaked out by it. I thought that's when I flushed it down the commode and threw it away. Um, what do I think it was? It was an oxy something. Well, here's what happened for the last 10 years, for a good decade, like robots, the prescriptions that were written were automatic. Oh, you get 30 days. Everybody thinks in 30 days. Oh, yeah, I think the, it was 30 masses, days. I think it yeah, was 30 we, days. You do not need 30 days. I don't know who taught 30 days. Maybe you need four, maybe you need five, but when you stick the human body on painkillers derived from opium for 30 days, it's dependent at the end of the month. Wait a minute. And that's happened. Wait a minute. Okay. Uh, don't. I know, the, look, the, I'm just dependent. a lawyer, okay? Yes, I'm just dependent. a trial lawyer. But when you just said opium and yes. I'm screaming, what is an opioid? It's a derivative of opium. Yes. And when I think of opium, I think of, you know, the Far East and drug houses. I think of the poppies in Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I think of all the people that I tried to get into rehab and dealers dealing it. All those cr visions crashed together in my head. Opium derivatives are opioids, and what are their clinical names? Oxycontin, oxycodone, what else? Percocet, Norco, Tylenol-3, Vicodin, all of Dilaudid, all of those chemicals come from the mother morphine, and morphine is a natural substance from the poppy. Now, when you are saying these uh, medical names or professional names the street names would be what oxy roxy what else right and uh you know uh vitamin h for the high power norco and uh the big d's for dilaudid t3s for tylenol threes but what people got from their doctors 
kind of lock their bodies into seeing it every day, feeling it every day, needing it every day. And then the doctors were afraid to say no. Because so what, now, the people would say they're in pain? Oh, yeah. But wait a minute. The prescriptions, I know, are one aspect of the overdosing of America. But all these people, like the 27 people that were hospitalized, that's not from a doctor's prescription. What is that? Nancy, that's- I can tell you in, in Macon, Georgia, one of the concerns is fake Percocet. They've identified a fake version of the drug Percocet, which is being home manufactured, not by a big pharmaceutical company, but by some some criminal someplace and sold on the streets, and it's killing people. What were you going to say, doctor? And, and here's what's happened. Insurance companies and restrictive laws have made it very difficult for doctors to continue to prescribe and everybody always has a friend or there's somebody all always near that says, well, I can get you some of these. And you skip the doctor, you skip the pharmacy, and you start buying this stuff off the street. Like um, Alan was just saying, it's called Cotton's Kickers, Oxycontin, Ox, OCs, Orange County, O's, Oxys, Killers, Beans. There are... Uh, Hillbilly heroin. There are a million street names for this. Those are names for Oxycontin on the street. So t- tell me, Dr. Maroney, doctors overprescribe. The patients come in and claim they're still in pain, and they may be. They may be imagining it, or they may just want the drugs. I mean, look at um, Jim Carrey. Right now, he is embroiled in a wrongful death suit filed by his mistresses, his girlfriend's family. He was getting drugs under a different name, and she got them. Either he gave them to her or she got them on her own, and she died. Okay? So, there's also the fake name using to get prescriptions uh, in his case, so the whole world wouldn't know Jim Carrey was using a painkiller. Then, like Michael Jackson, just Anna to name Nicole. some. Yeah, Anna Nicole. Good I could one, tell you all about use that one. All, they would doctor shop and pharmacy shop, and they would get tons and tons of these pills from all different pharmacies, and the pharmacies didn't know about each other. What well, about that, Dr. Maroney? Well, the, the pharmacies are supposed to be running reports. The federal government has a system that they've encouraged all the states to have software that a pharmacy or a physician can look up a patient by name and birth date and see two years worth of the last of narcotics that they filled. These are called prescription drug monitoring systems and every pharmacist in America can run a report and every physician can run a report, but doctors became lazy, pharmacists are pushed to see a lot more people and people don't take the time to get those reports. Well, and why if you, isn't if, it mandated, Dr. Maroney? Those laws are coming, but up until now, they've been voluntary as they put it in place. Mandating it is the answer. Mandating means if you're going to write a narcotic, if you're going to write a painkiller, you have to run a report on that patient. If you're going to fill a narcotic... If you're going to fill a pain uh, a painkiller drug as a pharmacist, you have to run that to see 
that that patient's not running a scam and running a couple different doctors. Let's talk about Percocet too, which is, as you say, a derivative of, an, it's an opiate. Perks, Paula's, Roxycontin, Roxy's Blue Dynamite, uh, 512s. That refers to the generic brand that prints a 512 on a round white Percocet pill. There's a million names for this, for these dangers. So it's from two sources. People getting overprescribed one way or another by hook or by crook. And then, as Alan correctly pointed out, other people producing it, not through pharmaceutical measures and getting it on the street. So, okay, would you agree so far, Dr. Maroney? 100% of um, the problem off the street is a market that was created because now patients don't want to go to the doctor, so they got kicked out of a doctor's office, or they know they can't get enough from a single doctor, so they turn to the street. And in the old days, the one of the only other options you had on the street was, well, you just got heroin from a dealer, but now these fake pills are on the street, and somebody will offer you heroin or the fake pills. And everybody knows that heroin's being laced with other chemicals and drugs like fentanyl, and people are dying. So people are afraid to ask for heroin, and they're going back to things that look like pharmaceuticals, but they're fake. And it's an entire market driven by the drug cartels and the dealers to give people more options so they don't have to go to the doctors. But they're already dependent. They're already addicted. Right now, people dying of drug overdoses in record numbers. This is not just a slight increase. It is a very scary, a horrific surge in drug ODs in our country. Now, many claim we should be more permissive and more tolerant, more understanding about drug abuse, and I agree with that. Uh, you know, Dr. Maroney, you and I have talked about this off camera so many times. Like I have told you in the past, I would come out of one arraignment calendar with 150 new felonies on it. I'd be in there in the courtroom all day cutting deals, putting cases on the trial calendar, trying to get as many people in rehab as I possibly could. I come back to my office six, seven o'clock at night, and there'd be a whole new stack of 150 more felonies to take to to be disposed of in their jargon, not mine. There were not enough spots for people to go to rehab, Dr. Maroney. I would try to to get in a rehab, a state rehab where you don't have to pay for it. Most people cannot pay for it. You'd have to wait. I'd either have to let them out of jail, which then immediately go and get back on drugs the minute they walk out of the courthouse, or they'd have to wait in jail for a spot in rehab. And sometimes the wait in jail would be seven, eight months before you could get in rehab. And by that time, you know, they, I didn't, they're doing a year of jail time. It just was just there was no money, no resources, and very often the only thing I could do is send somebody to jail, an addict, and I knew that wasn't the right answer, but it was the only answer I had. Here's what the new move is. We know there's not enough addiction doctors. We know the primary care can't do this. We know there's not enough rehab clinics. The federal government started in the last administration and is going to continue drug court services 
for rehabilitation directly out of the drug courts supervised by the drug courts. Drug courts are one of the answers to the future. The drug court associations will create guidelines that'll say if you had a nonviolent crime and your crime was based in uh, drug use and you are admitting that you're an addict and you need help, it's cheaper to get you a job, apartment, and drug court services and treat you outside of the jail mm. than it is to pay all that money and keep you locked up Man, where you're, you're not, not getting kidding. any help. Now, listen to this. According to Justice Department, 52,000 people died of drug ODs in America 2015. Over half of those deaths, Dr. Maroney, over half involved the use of synthetic pain meds, fentanyl, and other opioid drugs. Over half. Now, early numbers 2016 show the deaths attributed to that opioids, fentanyl, oxycontin, etc., have now skyrocketed to above 60,000. 60,000 people dead. Now, tell me about fentanyl. Fentanyl is a drug that works in the brain that is not directly related by chemical structure to opium and morphine. It's, it's synthetic, but it's very powerful. And we've always used it in surgery and in hospice patients. But the new way that fentanyl's being used by the drug cartels is that it's being sprinkled into the heroin. This fentanyl comes from Mexico and it comes from China. And it is supposed to be super branding and making the heroin stronger. But the people who sell it really aren't managing the quality control. And if there's too much fentanyl in your heroin, your heart stops and Ooh. you die. Tell me, what are, the, what are fentanyl patches? Explain to me how those work. Fentanyl being manufactured by an ethical pharmaceutical company is available in a patch that you wear on your skin like a Band-Aid. And the best way to say it is they kind of mix the medicine in the glue, and it sits on the skin for 72 hours or three days, and the plastic on the outside prevents the drug from touching other people. So it it's absorbed into the skin and for, for three days or 72 hours, you don't have to take any pills. Well, the patch was designed for people who were really sick and had cancer and were going to die and were nauseated because they couldn't swallow mm. or be, because they were sick. So the fentanyl patch was not designed for an average person on the street. Let me ask and you it, about this. What do you make of the... The claim there's going to be an anti-heroin vaccine that uh, the, the shot could prevent recovering addicts from relapsing by blocking the high you get from heroin. What do you make of that? Well, currently we have um, a drug that we inject once every 28 days. It's not technically a vaccine. It's still a depot shot, like a birth control shot. Yeah. But it's available for men and women, and it's a it's a shot in the buttocks every 28 days, and it does stay in the system and block the brain. 
that shot is a drug called naltrexone, which is similar to methadone or suboxone, but instead of being an active drug that activates the pathway, it's a blocker. And it's in the same family, but it has the opposite hmm. action of morphine. And that naltrexone shot was available as a pill for a decade, and the federal government saw it was extremely successful, but then people would forget to fill the prescription. So they encouraged the development of that shot that you show up your doctor once a month, you get the shot, and then you don't have to take the pills. Let me ask you this. Have you seen the wave of videos and photos of parents passed out in the car on opioid addiction? It's like every other morning I look at the Daily Mail and there's a new set of parents. They're like asleep on the sidewalk or in their car with the children in the back seat, OD'd on heroin or an opioid. I mean, a daughter just recently live-streamed her parents on heroin binge when she got home to find them passed out in front of the TV. And that was shot, of course, in America, showing the parents slumped over and unresponsive. The daughter even starts kicking her father to try to wake him up. It, it's, it's awful. And that really brought it to the forefront, a recent shot of a mom and a dad passed out in the car with their little children in the back seat. And they were high on, I guess, heroin or a a derivative of opioid. So what do we do with these children that are suffering because of their parents' drug addiction? Just tell me what you think we need to do now, Dr. Maroney. Oh, P.S., what is your book, your new book coming out? My my new book will be out in about two weeks. It'll be available on Amazon.com and, and off a web page that we're finishing. The name of the book is American Narcan. Uh, Narcan is the blocker. It's the drug that reverses overdose. American Narcan is the first book in America on the essentials of naloxone wow. and heroin fentanyl-associated mortality. Narcan. Okay. Narcan. I want to have American you back Narcan. with us when, uh, sure. if, if you can on the day that it comes out. I know you'll be busy. Now, just give me something I can understand. Dummy down for me. What can we do now? Give me your top three suggestions. In America, the drug Narcan and the generic naloxone is available. There's, there's like 43 governors that have assigned laws that say you can get this and keep it in your house. And that is to fight your addiction? It, it's not to fight the addiction. It's to reverse the overdose. Ah, yes. That's what they tried to. Is that what they tried to give to Prince? They it did is, give but, to Prince, but, and it worked when, that one night when he was on the private plane. It, it is, mm. but what happened is you don't have to go to the hospital and get that now. Narcan okay, can be incredible. prescribed. Yes. It's Whoa. exactly the same drug, though, Nancy. Okay. It's the same drug, but the okay, governor's you're overthinking it. Narcan, you can Narcan. have in your home. You can have it in your home. For an and, overdose to save your life. Okay, number two. Number two. All Americans need to understand there are hundreds of thousands of people who've had their brains hijacked by these drugs, and we need to get them help and have sympathy. We, 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 cannot, we cannot beat them up with stigma and prejudice. And we need jail. To, oh, just, and jail. You know. 
Okay, so got we, it. So understanding, so, got it. And number three, break it down, num- doctor. Break it down. We're not all MDs like you. Not everybody had the money or the seven years from med school. Okay. Okay. So talk down well, to me. And and the third and final thing is we need to pressure our lawmakers to get the funds to the people that are doing the treatment. I will never forget when I first entered the district attorney's office, my elected DA in his wisdom sent me along with the lobbyist on anti-crime issues to the Georgia legislature. I've never been hit on so many times in my life by married people. That cured me from any desire of thinking I could make change in the world through politics. So, Good luck with that funding, Dr. Maroney. But you know what? I'm also an optimist. I hear you, and I agree. With me, renowned medical examiner and author, Dr. William Maroney, his new book coming out, American Narcan. Did I get that right? Got it right. I can't believe you of all people didn't have some long subtitle like facts and statistics regarding the opioid deaths in America from 1959 to 2000. Anyway, American Narcan. Let me stop right now just a moment and thank someone very special for making today's podcast possible. Our partner, our sponsor, Blue Apron. The number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in our country. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the very highest standards for ingredients. Now, Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the U.S. And because of that, seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Upcoming meals, listen to this. Warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling potatoes and garlic croutons. Mmm. Peach honey glazed chicken, mashed sweet potatoes, collard greens, and Thai basil. Whoa. Blue Apron. Thank you for making this podcast and so many others possible. Okay, back to the story. We are being joined by one of my favorite people. She's beautiful, she's talented, but most important, she is brilliant and committed. With me is Robin Galebund, and she is the president of, I call it a think tank, it's Fair Health. They are non-profit. They don't owe anybody. Nobody affects their opinion. And they are sought after from entities all over the world. They are a think tank about health issues. That's all they do. They have just released one of the leading studies regarding opioids. Robin I just can't thank you enough for making time to join us on Crime Stories. Fair Health has issued a series of, as you say, white papers on the opioid crisis. It is a crisis. You started last July with the opioid crisis among the privately insured, the opioid abuse epidemic as documented in private claims data. 
That's a mouthful. Then September, you published The Impact of the Opioid Crisis on the Healthcare System, a study of privately billed services. Now you're third in the series, Peeling Back the Curtain on Regional Variation in the Opioid Crisis, Spotlight on Five Key Urban Centers in Their Respective States. Wow. Okay, that was a lot to take in. So I, I want to focus on the, the paper that is coming out. What makes this white paper different from the other two? Well, thank you for, for your interest in this topic, which is a critical one. Um, as you probably know, Fair Health houses the largest private claims collection in the country, over 23 billion records for 115 million people, of course, de-identified. And while we off okay, hold on. Let me break that down to regular people talk, okay? Because you're like warp speed ahead of me and Alan, okay? I think what she just said, Alan, <laughs> was that they procure and gather millions, billions, of, yeah, of health claims, and from that, they don't care who you are or what your name is. They're trying to deduce or figure out what's happening health-wise, in our country. You know, uh, Robin, like in Great Britain, uh, everything is socialized. The government has their fingers in everything, so they can very easily track what's happening health-wise. In fact, the other day, Alan, I read how IVF raises your likelihood of getting cancer by like 30% ovarian cancer because of a Brit study, because it's socialized. Fair health is doing that for the U.S. Sorry, I just had to break it down to regular people talk. Okay, go, Robin. Sorry. Oh, of course. So we have this enormous ocean of claims. So what we try to do is, in effect, take a glass-bottom boat out and out on that ocean and really try to reveal trends that we're seeing. And you're right. We issued two earlier papers on the opioid crisis, but those were at the national level. Um, And so what we really want to do now, instead of really being out on that glass bottom boat, scuba dive more deeply and really look at regional variation in the issue involving opioid abuse and dependence. And what we saw were dramatic differences in what's really happening under the hood in these different states. You know, I could listen to you talk all day. I really could. The way you compared to gliding across the statistics, statistics in our country in a glass bottom boat, to deep diving in five states, you picked opioid epidemic, and we're talking about um, oxycontin, oxycodone, Percocet, heroin, of course, any poppy, opium derivative, California, Illinois, New York, Pennsylvania, Texas. How did you pick those five? We chose those five states because they host the five most populous cities. And by choosing the largest cities in the country and their accompanying states, we thought that that would be the best way to really provide a rich, detailed understanding of, of what was happening in you know, connection with this growing crisis. Guys, stay with me. Stay with us on this. The lives of your children, your neighbors, your family, your relatives may depend on what you are about to hear. Robin, I know the findings took you by surprise. I was surprised by a number of things that came out of this sort of deep down dive into this ocean. And one thing I was surprised by was that the largest number of procedures in both rural and urban settings were associated with those age 51 and older. What? 
Whoa, 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 also, whoa. What, what mm-hmm. did you just say? In regular people talk. Some people have associated the opioid crisis with really younger, uh, younger people under age 35 or millennials, if you will. But what we're seeing is healthcare claims being submitted in connection with those 51 and older. And what that might suggest is that this is really, again, getting to the heart of some prescription patterns in the medical community, because it's that age group that often is obtaining various procedures, orthopedic surgery, so on and so forth. So really, that's an alarm bell to look at that group of individuals and really try to understand why they are outdistancing all of the other Now, you looked at the five most common opioid-related procedures for each state and the five opioid-related procedures that represented the highest expenditures. What did you learn? Well, we learned that every state is very different, and that raises really interesting questions. So, for example, if you look at the top five procedures in all the states, only one code was on all of each of those five states' list, which was related to uh, a drug screening test. But in California, for example, the most common procedures were associated with intensive outpatient services. Whereas Illinois, they seem to rely heavily on a medication called naltrexone, uh, which is part of their treatment protocol. New York, for example, is known for methadone maintenance program. That was its most common. And then you see in Illinois, I mean, in Pennsylvania and Texas, they have primarily laboratory tests and screening as opposed to group therapy, intensive outpatient, or any of those other services that might have surfaced in the other states. So what it's interesting are those differences due to different philosophies of the different states and the way they want to treat? Is it due to the reimbursement practices uh, of the insurance industry? Is it due to access or the lack of access to some of those services and why it's so critical to look at this snapshot in time is now to think about what happens after this photograph was taken. Now that we know that there are such differences in these various states, what are the outcomes of these different protocols? Who's relapsing? Who's having overdoses after going through these treatment regimens? These are laboratories in real time that we can now start looking at and public health officials can start looking at. And importantly, as you know, as you open up the newspaper every day, there may be some abuses going on in different states in the way in which people are being screened or tested or administered medications. So it's it's important to both try to create impactful treatments and interventions, but also try to understand what's not working. What Robin is saying is so critical because we're not talking about selling crack cocaine or a doper showing up at your door at 3 a.m. to give you a bag of marijuana. We're talking about opioid-related deaths, people ODing, young and old, off heroin, opium-related products like what your pharmacist and doctors are giving you, oxycodone, oxycontin, uh, Percocet. I mean, I just had knee surgery. They gave me 30 days of something, Robin, oxycodone or oxycontin. I took one one night my husband gave. It was like the size of a, a, a tiny, tiny, tiny little pill. 
And the next night, I'm like, what was that you gave me? And I looked at it. I saw it was an oxy something. I'm like, uh-uh, mm-mm. I was afraid to even put it in the medicine cabinet <laughs> because I thought the twins might find it. We went and dumped it. I'm like, I don't care if my knee hurts. If they ate one of these, dear Lord in heaven, and it is prescribed medicine. People think, oh, the doctor prescribed it. It's fine. It's not fine because you get hooked on it. So what are the major points, Robin, you expect readers to take away from your latest study? From this latest study is to show that this is an issue that is evolving daily. And also for people to be very mindful, exactly what you just said, if you are coming out of a procedure, to really question your medical professional if you are being given prescriptions for things that Tylenol or other types of pain management regimens could be just as effective. It's also important to recognize that to address issues with your insurance company to see to what extent if you are in the midst of some type of opioid abuse disorder to check to see what kind of reimbursement and benefits are available to you through your insurer and to also really um, address the fact that each state is really moving and evolving in real time and that it's important to um, understand that illicit drug distribution channels may be impacting the type of approaches that, again, state biases may be doing that as well, and that it's important for these mini laboratories to help the country design effective responses and create off-ramps to this epidemic. Wow. You know, I am so knocked out by you and by Fair Health. I never realized Fair Health existed until uh, my former EP, Dean Sicoli, told me about it. And I started following you and following Fair Health and your studies, and they are incredible. Just think about it. Millions and millions of health claims across our country, billions. And they take all of that information and they pick a topic like, opioid addiction and what it's doing to our country, to our children, to our teens, our high school students, college students, older than that, that are getting these prescriptions after surgeries or for pain. And then everything goes sideways and people are dropping like flies. I mean, Alan, what about those last studies that's showing 60,000 people dead in 2016? I'm looking right now at Fair Health's chart. This thing looks like it started around 2013, and then it just, the graph just goes skyrocketing up to 2015, and it's sort of leveled off in the last year, according to as far as insurance claims. This is a question I've got. San Antonio, Texas, what's going on there, Robin? You're, you're reporting a 141,000% increase in, in these addiction uh, treatment claims. In the last 10 years, 141,000%. Where does that happen? Yes. Why? So opioid use as revealed in the claims also includes fentanyl. And it's been understood that within the San Antonio region, there are some distribution networks there that should probably and are already catching the attention of both enforcement officials and public health officials. Yeah, I found that fascinating that, for example, in New York City, which constitutes 43% of the state population, only 13% of the opioid-related claims were present there, whereas San Antonio 
which has only, and its surrounding area has only 6% of the population, accounts for 66% of the claims within that state. So yes, that's why the data are so important. They can really shed a light and allow uh, sort of the canaries in the coal mine to surface and to allow attention and resources to be directed to the geographic regions that are really in some ways screaming out for some intervention. Robin, listen to this. People are now designated naloxone carriers instead of designated drivers when partying. Naloxone is the the anti-opioid. It's it's I think what they tried to give Prince on that private plane when he was ODing on prescribed drugs allegedly. Just very shortly before his death, they gave him the antidote to OD. Now, instead of saying, hey, you be the designated driver, don't drink tonight, they're like, hey, are you carrying naloxone? I mean, that's crazy. Absolutely. In some ways, in effect, everyone is being enlisted to be a foot soldier in this army, whereas naloxone used to be... um, you could be found to be violative of a law for administering naloxone. People were afraid to administer it because they felt if they're giving it to someone taking an illegal drug, they will be found in trouble as well. States like Illinois and a number of other states are passing laws that, in effect, immunize people or make it you know, perfectly legal to administer that drug to stop someone from having an opioid overdose. It's almost a recognition that this is becoming at such an epidemic proportion. All of us have to be deputized in trying to aid people from uh, really dying from an overdose or having some acute incidents. So it's a fascinating social experiment that's going on in real time right now. With us, the president of Fair Health, doing everything in her power to save lives in our country. Robin, you're awesome. Thank you for being with us. I'm Nancy Grace, Crime Story signing off. Goodbye, friend. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy.